Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, remember, you're, you're not comparing George Springer to Kevin Kiermeyer in right field. You need to compare him to Teoscar Hernandez. Right, exactly. Yeah, I mean, think about all the previous times Jansen has come off of the injured list in the last And then just years. destroyed the world. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm open. Good question. We can go back to it. Do I need the blue button again? <laughs> no, this one's not about okay. homophobe Anthony Bass. And welcome episode number 271 of Artificial Turf Wars, where we didn't ever think we would start two episodes in a row talking about non-baseball ignorance and hatred. I am your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined by the frustrated Joshua Housem. How's it going, Josh? Yeah, that's a good good way to put it. Like, you know, I thought you guys did a tremendous job covering this last week. It was, I was a little, you know, sad not to be part of that, but I, there's nothing I could have added, really. All right, but well, I, you know, I was not hoping to be able to be discussing it again today. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. we have to. So uh, we will talk about the ever worsening handling of the Anthony Bass uh, debacle uh, that is going on around the Blue Jays, which is completely overwhelmed my Twitter feed, and rightly so. Um, we will also talk about the baseball aspects of this club, which are the Manoa demotion, um, the continued excellence of three fifths of this rotation, of course. Uh, those guys deserve a shout out. Um, the defense uh, helping carry that load of a team that does not hit that much, except the occasional home run, apparently. Dalton Varsho might be turning a corner, and uh, Danny Jansen might be on the path to returning to the ball club. Uh, we have a question from you guys, and then we have a <laughs> we have a classic do-over. I I think I think we need something as ridiculous as the Keith Hernandez uh, do-over. Just to kind of soften the blow of what has been a lousy week to be a Jays fan. Um, yeah, so uh, Anthony Bass and homophobia are still both apparently part of this policy. Oh, boy. So, <clears throat> so Ross Atkins, he did a media hit where he was honestly saying the right things, you know, you couldn't have said more right, which you know, was kind of sort of a point. People were like, is it really that perfect now? After a few days, it was a little hard to accept, but he, he comes out and he says that, you know, since it happened, Bass had spoken to some LGBTQ SIA two, I think. Plus if I got any of those wrong, I apologize, but he spoke to some leaders from the community and he had some good conversations and he had, had some enlightenment. These are the words that Ross Atkins used. And then they let Bass talk to the media. And that was just complete bullshit. Sorry, Greg, you're going to need the button. But Right, noted. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he comes out and then he says, 
no, he doesn't think the video he shared was hateful. And he still has his beliefs that all he's going to do is just be careful about what he shares on social media now. It's like, he didn't, he didn't learn anything. Like, he still thinks that, you know, putting pride things on shirts that kids can see is demonic and evil. And he's just not saying it as loud anymore, except he did say it as loud again. It's just, just horrible. Yeah. And by the way, so I got to change how I refer to him because... I have to be consistent. He's the homophobe Anthony Bass. Since I do that with those raised pictures, I'm going to be doing it with Anthony Bass from here to the end of his time as a Blue Jay. Yeah, I mean it is it is a hundred percent clear that um, he doesn't get it on on any level. That you, yes, you're free to believe whatever you want to believe. Absolutely, uh, not without penalty, uh, and also, I mean just a wanton disregard for the well-being of other people. And I think the capper for me is the multiple times he's referred to being uh being gay or being trans as a choice. It's like, yeah. "Oh, wh- when did you choose to be straight, Anthony? What what day did you choose your straightness? Did that was did you mark that down in your diary?" Because I don't recall choosing my sexual orientation as a conscious choice. I certainly don't remember mulling it over on a particular day. Uh, I don't think gay people do that either. Uh, I've, I've every conversation I've seen online regarding that as a choice seems to think uh, make it a false argument. So again, you're not attacking people for a choice. You're not talking about their beliefs. You're attacking people for who they are. It's not acceptable for a reason. It's called hate for a reason. Calling Calling people just being themselves demonic is insane. And yet he got away with it twice. No penalty. Well, and then now it's going to, they're tripling down, I guess. So Anthony Bass was asked by the organ, the person throwing. Oh my goodness. Oh, breaking news as a recording. Anthony Bass has been designated for assignment. Oh, well, okay. Homophobe Anthony Bass is gone. <laughs> that's a that's too late. I will not argue at this point that it's too little. I will say it's too late. But it's absolutely too little. Um yeah, he went from he went from catching the uh the ceremonial first pitch on Pride Night to uh being DFA'd. Wow. Wow. I mean, that's yeah. my live reaction. Freaking wow. <laughs> we literally just learned this so as we're recording it. So you're getting this unfiltered, everybody. I mean, good. He shouldn't be around. He's uh, he's not a good pitcher. He's not a good person. What reason is there for keeping him? I mean, the, the, and look, what I was starting to say before I read that breaking, breaking news. Sorry, is who that, is that from? I will give full credit to whoever just broke that. Uh, everybody, but the Blue Jays Twitter account first put out that Mitch White has been Mitch White's been reinstated and Bass is gone. So the Blue Jays social media, who's been taking hell for this the entire time. Oh yeah, just which, a beating. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, I get that. Like that's the only way the team's going to see it. So they, but the social media people can't do anything. So I felt sorry for them, but I also understood it. But they were they were going to let him catch the first pitch, which, as an olive branch, it was he was invited by the person throwing it, but. The message that it sends to everybody else was that what he said 
and continues to think and say is okay. Well, apparently it's not okay because, thank God, because he's gone and good, good job. Like he should be gone. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've tweeted it after every win since this whole thing came out. Lovely win by the Blue Chase. Great day to DFA Anthony Bass. Um, <laughs> there you go. One homophobe, one less homophobe in the MLB. Um, so I guess the question becomes, why now? Like, why today? Is it because they're doing Pride Night today, but he was supposed to catch the first pitch? Is it because Mitch White is ready and he has to come back to the roster because he's not allowed to be cut? Or is it because Anthony Bass just made Ross Atkins look like an absolute fool yesterday? I mean, it could be any of these things. I don't know. But, I mean, I guess better late than never, right? Like, that's the way we have to look at it. Yep. Like I said, too late. But I will not argue it's too little because um... – Again, they, they I, I mean, he may end up traded since he's been DFA'd, right? There's a period of, is there a period where he could still end up traded? I forget how these rules work. 10 days, yeah. Yeah, 10 days. He could still end up traded. Um, and I understand why the Blue Jays, uh, you know, are, are in a position to try and get an asset out of the miserable BS that was Anthony Bass. It's happened in the past, right? They got, uh, they got an asset for Yunel Escobar after... Again, we were going to go. I was going to go into the history of all the times where the you know homophobia has reared its ugly head, and the Blue Jays have managed to stumble into the right thing eventually. This is now just on the list, so we don't have to break them all down. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know that we have much more to say because uh, I'm sure there'll be some some statement from Anthony Bass after his DFA to the media because th this will be the time when he decides that it's he really wants to talk to people, as opposed to all the other times when he been could have been contrite. Uh, and, you know, made an effort to understand his fellow human beings were hurt by the things he said. All right. Yeah. Let's good switch riddance. to... Yeah, good riddance. <laughs> Let's switch to baseball. Uh, in not good riddance, Alec Manoa is all the way down in Florida uh, at, at the most base level of, uh, of the Blue Jays minor league system in order to rebuild himself. Which, uh, this isn't going to be in the do-over section, but it is a do-over for Nick and I, who said, who are you going to replace him with? And apparently the answer after only getting one out in a start was literally anybody. <laughs> Ron Francis was always the logical choice because he's the only guy pitching well in AAA. Uh, he wasn't on the 40, man, so they had to be a little creative there. They got they cut Zach Thompson, although he cleared waivers and he's back with the organization because, of course, he did. <laughs> um, we gave his really ERA sad. on the last podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the guy who may or may not have been real. <laughs> I enjoyed that part of the discussion. <laughs> yeah, it. I mean, it's really sad what's happened with with Manoa, but you know, it's. It's kind of a thing where it had to happen. I, you know, he just, what was he gaining by being out there every time and just not being able to fix what was happening? And, you know, it, it's like he, you can't fix mechanics at the major league level. It's really, really hard. 
Yeah, we, and, we've seen that before. I, I 100% agree that that there's just not there's not the room for error trying to fix mechanics at the major league level with the pressure of every start. Yeah, it's it's just really really hard to do, and you know it, it it's unfortunate, but I mean he had the worst ERA in the major leagues among starters with a certain number of innings pitched, and at some point you have to say okay, there's something wrong that we need to fix. And I even like in looking at videos that I've seen side by sides, it does look like there's a mechanical issue. He seems to be more upright in his work in his windup this year. Now that could be because the pitch clock means he needs to conserve more energy. could be a mental thing. Atkins in, so he did this media hit where the first half was about bats. And then the second half was about Manoa and the actual really interesting thing stuff came out in the Manoa part where he basically said that there's something that, like p pitching is all about patterns, right? With like the way you move your body. And he said that essentially something had gone off at the beginning of Manoa's windup that was affecting the entire pattern. And then you keep repeating that and that becomes where your muscle memory starts to go. So they're getting him away from competition so they can get him back to what he did because what he did was the one of the best pitchers in the American League. Yeah. Um, and I think... Uh, you know, you're, you're certainly this. Is, I don't think this is the death knell for Alec Manoa by any any stretch of the imagination. I did see an interesting comparison. Did you see the comparison comparison to Juan Guzman? No, I did not. Um, they simply said that he, you know, Guzman came out of nowhere, basically, right, from a, a short minor league career to tear up the league for two years to become an ace, uh, and then fell off and ended up being like a league average ish starter for another half of a decade. Um, I'm not saying that's where Alec Manoa goes, but I think it's probably a better comparison than Roy Halladay. Yeah, I think Roy Halladay is a completely wrong comparison, really. I mean, if you look at Halladay, he was a completely different looking pitcher when he first came up. You know, he almost threw a no hitter in his second career start, but he threw overhand. Like his windup was completely different from then to when he was rebuilt by Mel Queen, rest in peace, to become the pitcher that we all identify as Roy Halladay. Manoa doesn't need that. He doesn't need a massive overhaul of his mechanics because what he's done has worked for a very long time, whereas Halladay's only worked for two starts. So I think it really is about the mental reset and just getting back to the slight changes that you can make when you're not trying to get major league hitters out. It's like, okay, Alec, we need you to do this. By the way, you're facing Houston today. Like, it, it, you, just, yeah. you can't do that. Try not to let Jordan Alvarez tee off on you. <laughs> and, it, and if you get him out, not Kyle Tucker or Alex Redman <laughs> or Jose Altuve. You know, Altuve, I don't think was in the lineup that day. But, yeah, that's the point. It's, it's really, really hard to compete and make adjustments at the same time. So I'm not worried necessarily that the Guzman result's going to happen. I, I just think that he needs to... Like if they if they had not tried anything, if they just let him go out there, then maybe that's what would have happened. Yeah. So um, for those who aren't aware, that the the complex down in Dunedin um, is the Blue Jays' state of the art um, facility for rehab, for analysis, for mechanics, for all of this stuff. So the reason he's not you know in AAA doing this uh, is because you know he doesn't he doesn't present any asset to triple a and this is all about uh looking at him from every possible angle and giving him every opportunity to fix 
whatever has gone awry with his both his his control and um, you know the effectiveness of the individual pitches. Yeah, yeah, and they can. It's also easier to show someone what they're doing wrong when you have this high tech ability to break everything down to milliseconds of a rota- of a movement, right? And I think that's just what he needs. And I, I, so Scott MacArthur was talking about this too. Maybe just like sitting on a beach somewhere, you know, and just like getting away from baseball for a day or two so he can let his mind clear. I think all of that's important, and you can't do that in Buffalo. No. <laughs> We've all been to Buffalo at least once. <laughs> oh, hey, man. Yeah, come so at me. <laughs> we, should, we, we should talk about Bowden Francis a little bit. Yeah, because he's gonna be uh, he's gonna replace that TBD for Saturday on the uh, the probable pitchers chart anytime soon. Yeah, so he uh, I saw him in spring and he his velocity spiked. He was throwing ninety four, ninety five, ninety six when he'd never done that before. And I saw him carve up the Yankees who had their A lineup in there and not spring training, so that doesn't mean a whole lot. But he went down to the minors. He got hurt for a little bit, but in the 15 and two thirds, he's thrown in triple A. He struck out 23 batters and he's given up four runs and four walks. Sorry, six runs with four walks. He is a little homer prone. So, you know, that'll happen. That's the reason why he's a 27 year old in the minors, right? He's not a perfect pitcher. If you, you say 26 <laughs> strikeouts to four walks, there's got to be a flaw somewhere. But a guy who can strike batters out and not walk people is a guy that can give you a chance. And now that Mitch White is back, he can give you a little bit of length if Francis doesn't get the job done, right? He can go out there and throw three innings and get, so save the bullpen a bit. So I like the idea of Francis and I'm very curious to see what he does. And I, I think that the twins are a good first matchup given that their struggles make the Jays offensive struggles look like <laughs> the Jays are a world series team. The twins have really underperformed offensively. So a team that's going through that might be a better debut for him. That's not his major league debut. He's faced three batters in his career, but it's his first start. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, uh, because of the potential return of, uh, wow. Brain just, just Hyunjin Ryu. Uh, <laughs> uh, it, it is, it is one of those, um, he could potentially be a stopgap starter. Uh, you don't, you don't need him to be great for, you know, 15 starts. You need him to be good enough for a month. Um, and you might not, you might not need any more about Francis. I mean, he's better than good enough. Hey, that's a great problem to have. Yeah. And, and, you know, when it, when it comes to the length of time that we might be seeing the Francis white combo, Atkins did say it's going to be at least a couple weeks. Yeah. They want, cause they want him to at least go through a couple turns in the rotation of, of, of getting used to his routine, his new routine, right? He'll be still pitching and building up at the complex, right? Not facing hitters, but throwing the pitches and working on stuff. But beyond that, there's no timeline. It's really however long it takes Manoa to look like Manoa again. And as much as I, I hate to talk about this, I said this on Twitter and I hated to tweet about it, but it matters a little bit. Alec Manoa has one, entered the year with one year and 130 days of service time. Last year, the cutoff for Super 2 was two years and 28 days. And two, sorry, two years, 128 days. So if he's down for three weeks and a bit, he might lose out on Super 2 arbitration, which is a very unfortunate consequence of, of his struggles. I, I don't think that's remotely part of why the Jays did it, 
Obviously, he earned the demotion with his pitching, but it's just an unfortunate side effect. No, it's 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 not a cynical observation. It's just an observation. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think we can we can safely talk about this is not the end of the world because of the other three fifths of the Blue Jays rotation, which has been from good to great to excellent, depending on how you want to how you want to rank those guys. Uh, Chris Bassett's last turn. I, the efficiency with which he uh, carved up the lineup was was incredible. Fifty two pitches over the first six innings, less than ten pitches per inning. Um, doesn't have to be fancy, I guess, if it works. It's one of the really interesting things about this Jays rotation. You have Gaussman out there who just strikes out everybody. <laughs> he that's. You know, he leads the American League in strikeouts. He's the only probably who is the only guy who has as many strikeouts as he does is Spencer Strider, who also strikes out everybody for the Braves. And then you have Bassett, who just throws everything at you. He's got like eight pitches. You know, Gossman has two, really. He throws a slider, but it's it's really fastball splitter. And then Bassett's got eight pitches ranging from sixty-eight to ninety-three or four. And then Brios has Three pitches ranging from 83 to 93. <laughs> it's really three totally different approaches, and they're all just working. Yeah, yeah. Like it's it's like one mistake per start for for each guy, and and it happens because they're human. But that one mistake often only costs them one or two runs, and then the rest of the night is you watching the opposing lineup. And this is, I mean, this was Houston. This is not. This is a team that just torched Gaussman in his first uh, appearance, and I think Bassett as well once. Um, you know, just wrecked them. And uh, the adjustment was made. <laughs> I don't know what the adjustment was, but watching Gaussman strike out 13 of them and uh, drop fastballs right middle-middle and have them so so tied up thinking about that splitter that they couldn't pull the trigger. Yeah, so and really when... interesting that Gaussman... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Sorry, and then when they did pull the trigger, they swung over top of the splitter like nine times out of the thirteen. These these are these are not, you know, these are swing and miss, uh, fooled you completely kind of strikeouts. It was nuts. Yeah. So one of the really interesting things that's come out of Gaussman's last couple of years is that to adjust to the splitter, people stopped swinging at his high fastballs. Uh, or sorry, sorry. He was throwing fastballs up and splitters down. So when people saw the ball down, they were just not swinging. So they're not swinging at the splitter. That's what the Astros did. So he's like, okay, I'll start throwing 96 at the knees now, and you can try to adjust at this. Good luck. And they 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 had no chance. And Bassett or sorry, Gossman has now given up one or fewer earned runs in eight of his 12 starts. I mean, he's got two starts where he gave up 15 earned runs over, I think it was eight total innings, two blowups, and he still has a 2.63 ERA. That's a testament to how incredible he's been in the other 10. Or other 11, sorry, he's got 13. Yeah. I I, I would, you know, I, I I would not believe that you scored seven runs off of him in, if I was watching any of those starts where it didn't happen, right? Like, I, you, you could, I don't... It, the explanation would not make any sense to me. You'd be like, oh yeah, this guy gave up... He gave up. He just got blown up last start. How? How did he get blown up? <laughs> Stuff is so good. Yeah, well, I, every time he's dominating, I tweet. It's like I don't understand anybody ever hits Kevin Gossman. <laughs> I, I don't get it. And then I watch 
Chris Bassett, and I understand I don't understand how more people don't hit him, but they don't. One thing that Chris Bassett actually does very, very well is locate his various fastballs. He's got three of them. He's got a cutter, a sinker, and a, and a four-seamer at the top of the zone on the corners. He's really good at placing the ball there, and you're not going to give up a lot of damage there, unless you're facing Ellie De La Cruz, in which case it's going to go out of the park at 550 miles an hour. Sorry, Noah Syndergaard. I just had to throw that in there. But when you change speeds and you locate, that's how you have success. And then Barrios just... He has very good movement, and he's just locating. I mean, locating is the is the big thing for all three of them, really. The way they're pitching now, nobody's doing a lot of damage. Yeah, yeah. The, when, when the when the contact is limited and weak, uh, or both, <laughs> or, sorry, or just one of them rather, um, it's crazy. And and this strangely is the Jose Barrios that the Blue Jays thought they were signing. Right, and he doesn't look all that different from the guy who just couldn't get it together last year. That's the wild part. Yeah, uh, baseball. Man, so one thing that's funny about Brios, right? If they could have done with him what they did with Manoa, maybe they would have. Now, they, actually, they probably wouldn't have because their rotation depth was really in trouble last year. I mean, they were starting. Guys that had, Max Castillo was getting starts. I mean, they 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 were really struggling for rotation depth, as they are again. Like if someone gets hurt now, they are in trouble. But I think they would have liked to be able to do something like that with Barrios too. Just get him away for two weeks, three weeks, and and can clean up and not have it go all season. Although unlike Manoa, he was mixing good starts in and just terrible starts with the good starts. Whereas Manoa was bad almost every time out. Um. The, the other reason, of course, that this has been working is that when the ball has been getting put in play, uh, there have been some some critically uh, good play behind them. Um, Kevin Kiermaier keeps coming to my mind, but uh, certainly uh, he is he's not alone in his ability to turn a potential disaster into a magnificent game-saving catch on multiple occasions. I do think we need to start with him, though, because when, so Kevin Kiermaier, StatCast, here are his numbers. Outs above average, 100th percentile. Outfielder jump, 100th percentile. Arm strength, 98th percentile. And this is the biggest difference that we're seeing. Because Springer's not a bad center fielder, but the jump, the 100th percentile jump, that's where Stringer, Springer struggled. And that's why the Jays lost that game against the Mariners, because he was a little slow to break on that flare. That you know, everyone knows what game I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, we've been there. <laughs> yeah, and then we almost saw the equivalent in the ninth inning of the Bassett start with that low liner that was hit with uh, there was one on second base and a low liner to center, and then Kumar came in and made a sliding catch. That's a hit with George Springer, and the game is tied. It's a 6.40 expected batting average on that hit. Right, and he just gets such good jumps. And when you have that in center field, it makes everything easier. Then you have Varsho getting a well above average outfield jumps. You have Springer doing a, doing a fine job in right. I mean, his stat cast numbers aren't as good, but you can. It's right field. Like he makes the big plays. Who cares about if he if a single falls in sometimes? Well, remember but, you're you're not comparing George Springer to Kevin Kiermaier in right field. You need to compare him to Teoscar Hernandez. Right, exactly. And it's an improvement there. And then Varsho is such a game-changing improvement over Lourdes Gurriel and left. And then you get to the infield. 
And guess what? Bo Bichette's been really good defensively lately. <laughs> and, you know, one of the, the only, like Bo Bichette as a hitter is, he's perfect, right? I mean, well, he's not perfect, but he's, he's one of the best hitters in the game right now. And when we were talking about Bo Bichette's defense earlier in the season, he was a, I think he was in the third percentile and now it's above average. He's up to 41st, which means he's been really good lately. You know, he's at zero outs above average as opposed to negative numbers. And if he's just an average shortstop with his offense, that's a megastar. Yeah, absolutely. The American League hit leader, a guy with a 900 OPS at short who plays average defense is fantastic. Um, yeah. And and Chapman has turned his defensive weirdness from the beginning of the season around. He's 80th percentile for third base outs above average. He, He's back to being Matt Chapman. And then Vlad is a great first baseman who yesterday made a, a saving play with Eric Swanson through a, a comebacker, like the easiest play in the world. He threw it away, and Vlad had the presence of mind to dive back to the bag and touch it with his glove. Now, Vlad is one of the smartest defensive players on the team. It's really amazing the stuff he thinks of sometimes. And then Merrifield is a solid second baseman. So when you have good defenders everywhere and good pitching you can be the Blue Jays and somehow be 10 and 5 in games where you score only three runs. Yeah, and I can imagine being the opponent when they're on, right? When, when everything is working in the starting rotation and when the balls are getting gobbled up in the infield and the outfield. I, I can see, like, I know how frustrating it is for that to happen when they go to Tampa. To see really good teams like Houston come in into uh, the Rogers Center and be like, why can't we score enough runs? It's like I don't know. Just everything works. Three, yeah. three, three, three runs allowed will send you home with a, with an L. Don't know why, but it works. Yeah. I so mean, ten and five with three with when you score three runs is a record you should not have. No. But the Jays pitching and defense helps. <laughs> who knew? Yeah. Uh, so who is scoring those three runs? I, I, I've noticed that like after no home runs on it seemed like. The entire road trip. I know that's not true, um, but uh, we have seen the ball leave the yard a couple of times uh, for various players on the homestand. Yeah, it's funny. We in the last episode, this was my note I put in the thing about Belt not hitting for power, and you guys had to wear it when he hits two home runs immediately after you talk about it. Uh, but but the power has started to show up finally. Belt has a couple home runs lately. Varsho's hitting up for a lot more power. Bichette continues to hit for power. Chapman got another home run. Like it's it, Kurt got one. I mean, as these guys start getting back to their norms from a power perspective, the runs will come more. They're still struggling in situational hitting, not as much. But I mean, like yesterday, they had a situation with second and third, nobody out, and going Varsher, Springer, Bichette, and it went strikeout, strikeout, out, field out. And, you know, against a guy throwing 89, right? Like, that stuff still happens with too much frequency. But when you're hitting for power, you can get away with that a bit more. And then when that stuff starts coming around as well, then the offense will really get rolling. We can we can definitely hope. Um, I It, it is funny that uh, Brandon Belt, you know, if, if Bobish had not had that power surge on on uh, in the Houston series, you, you might be arguing Brandon Belt is the team's best hitter after being arguably the team's worst hitter in the in the first three weeks of the season. 
It's funny. We actually have a question about that, so I'll save that, that, that analysis. But he's now up to an 829 OPS, which is that's better than Brandon Belt really has been for much of his career. He's hitting really well. He's striking out still a ton. But when he's not striking out, he's doing really – like he's getting on base and starting to hit for – do damage. Yeah. Uh, last note for the week is uh, Dan Jansen. Uh, been on the IL for a little bit. Uh, sounds like he's actually going to be going down and starting to play in games again on his on a rehab assignment, I believe, this week. Yes, and with the hope that he'll be back for the Orioles season that start series that starts uh, uh, next week. That's got to be Tyler good news. Heineman, yeah, Heineman has actually been really solid as his replacement. You know, he's he's, not, you know, he's only got like a six fourteen OPS, but that's better than than you, you really would have expected out of Tyler Heineman. To be honest, I thought he was going to be a complete zero, and it's actually, you know, better than guys like Biggio and Espinal. <laughs> but playing really good defense and being not a complete zero offensively with a 364 on base specifically, that's all you can ask for from a third string catcher. So yeah, and, he held and, the fort down, but thank God Jansen's coming back. Yeah. I mean, think about all the previous times Jansen has come off of the injured list in the last and then just years. destroyed the world. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm hoping that's, he was Cross starting to do that before he got hurt, too. He was really starting to pull the ball again, and then he, you know, he hit a couple bombs in the game-winning hit. It's like, oh, you're watch out, American League. Here comes Danny Jansen. Oh, man. The, the strangest uh, guy when he catches fire because he just, just doesn't add up when you're watching him when he's not on fire. It's like, this guy can have a 1,000 OPS for two weeks? Really? Go off. Um, all right, we're going to come back after a short break with a question from you folks. Is it still a singular question? No, we have three now. Oh, we have three. Awesome. We're going to come back with questions um, because maybe the, maybe finally our, our uh, Twitter bubbled up above all of the Anthony Bass hate and people saw that we had, we had requested your questions. Uh, we're also going to have a do-over uh, for a chuckle. And we'll be right back after this. And we're back. Um, yeah, I mean, it is it is our privilege to answer questions from you guys once again, and I'm I'm gonna launch it up like this. Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly. Here are the rules. First I ask a question, then you ask a question. Now how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? Uh, The first question goes to Michael Warner, uh, again from Patreon. Um, As a follow-up to last week's question, so do Greg and Nick get a do-over on the Manoa question this week? Uh, well, uh, yeah, I guess we do get a do-over. Uh, I mean, I've, I've taken them before, so it, it doesn't hurt after the third or fourth do-over. Um, <laughs> you know why you don't, actually? Oh, why? Because our rule for the do-over always is, come on this podcast and talk about it, and we'll never bring it up again. And you talked about it in the first half of the show, so you <laughs> you preempted the do-over. <laughs> oh, lucky me, to, to admit my foibles. Uh, yeah, I mean... Ultimately, I think it comes down to human beings are, are really good at making predictions. Correct predictions, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> our, uh, 
Uh, our question from Dave Church that you alluded to earlier at Dave underscore Church. Do you think Brandon Belt still has the kind of production, still the had this kind of production in him after that dreadful first month? Sort of. I mean, he was slowed in spring training, right? He didn't start spring training until midway through because he was still recovering from surgery. So I didn't think he would just be completely cooked to the point where he couldn't hit anything. <laughs> that, that doesn't just didn't exp I didn't think that. But obviously doubt does creep into your mind when the guy's swinging through fastballs every single at bat. But he's turned back into the guy that we honestly thought they were they were getting when we were happy they signed him, which is good. Yeah, I I after watching those first three weeks, I was kind of like I hope that you're not going to have to cheat so much to get, you know, to find the power, like to make contact, right? Because that's what happens when guys slow down as they get yeah. older is they start to cheat. And when you start to cheat, that means you strike out more, which is what he was doing. And you walk less because you're not, you know, you're not really able to make a decision on the pitch that's out of the zone. And I was like, you know, it can all collapse on that. I hope he's not cheating. I And it, I was really up in the air about it. Uh, well, I, and I think that the sign there, though, that he wasn't cheating, he was just missing, is that he is like 98th percentile in not chasing. Yeah. He just, he was walking. Like, even when he wasn't hitting, he was taking walks. He just couldn't hit the ball. So it was a sign that he wasn't cheating and he was just doing something wrong. So anyway, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad that it's not that. And I'm sure you're glad too. <laughs> oh yeah. hundred percent. I just didn't know if the power would come back because I didn't know yeah. what, what the adjustment was. Uh, Agreed. right. Hence my note for last week's podcast that you had to eat. That <laughs> <laughs> was a rough week. Like it's, it's like just chewing up all the paper. <laughs> well, it's, it's, I blame the homophobe Anthony Bass. Uh, oh yeah. Speaking of which, our third question is a, is about Anthony Bass. This is this was submitted post DFA uh, from Andrew Arnold. Uh, the question is simply: Anthony Bass can he be designated for assignment to the moon and given only Bud Light? Uh, I don't I don't know if the moon is actually a spot that you can designate for assignment. I, I'm pretty sure the rules just say you you can release him after ten days, but maybe something new. But I do hope they give him a parting gift basket of Bud Light and clothes from Target. <laughs> but the answer to your first question, yeah, Anthony Bass. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not, nothing draws out the bleep button better than uh, <laughs> the horrible, horrible behavior by someone who just needed to cross the bar of being a decent human being in any of his public statements and failed miserably. Oh, all right. Let's let's talk about um, a do-over. Oh my God! Did he really just say that? But we can try again, right? You talking about a do-over, baby? Are you talking about a do-over? We believe in second chances. We we do believe in second chances for honest mistakes. We really do. And to prove that, uh, Keith Hernandez, who is admittedly one of the most colorful announcers in baseball if you follow any of the other teams uh he had he had some tips for alejandro kirk uh last friday night uh, when when the blue jays were, were playing the mets um he suggested um to kirk that you 
want to always be erect when you make contact. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then there was just silence in the booth because they had to mute their mics because they were all laughing. <laughs> <laughs> For like 30 seconds. Not the first time that that has happened to that booth. Uh, no. I've seen I've seen many clips, but but then when they came out of the mute, he said like a telephone pole. <laughs> <laughs> Eighth, you're making it worse, buddy. <laughs> uh, so this is the old fashioned do over that that we talk about sometimes. Where the do over started with just a slip of the tongue from Mike Wilner. Yeah, and they you know they're lighthearted. Right, it's not someone did something horrible, you know, which is what a lot of them are. I'm not sorry if you can hear my cat. I apologize for that, but uh, it's just fun. Like it, <laughs> he just said something a little silly, and then he led and he played into it, which is it's always enjoyable. Yeah, yeah, a little wink and a little nudge there, but uh, yeah, I, I there's a lot of ways to hit. I don't think fully erect is is 100 required. It would be uncomfortable, <laughs> especially you know, like with the protective equipment, like you know. No. Oh man. So yeah, I mean if you wanna if you wanna pick a different descriptor, Keith, uh feel free and you can you can come discuss it with us. Uh but until then the do-over sits in your court, sir. Oh goodness. Well, uh that was uh that was probably the most most left turns I've taken in the podcast, uh due to news that broke during the podcast. Normally like, somebody hits a home run in the middle of it and we have to adjust, but this is, this is a different yeah. animal entirely. It sure was. Uh, other than the DFA of Anthony Bass, I feel like someone in the Blue Jays PR department is probably also getting a DFA in the near future. <laughs> well, I, I honestly think that the straw that broke the camel's back was like they talked and he'd said he was sorry for this and that. And then actually expressed something to Ross Atkins, which Ross Atkins then shared with the media. And then Bass said the opposite. Atkins like, well, okay, like screw that. Like enough of this nonsense. Like you made me look stupid, but also like you lied to me. You're gone. Yeah. Probably, uh, probably at the top of the mix of things that, that got him the DFA, uh, basically making your boss look like an idiot. will do wonders for your career path. Um, do you have a final thought? Uh, Mr. Housen? I do. We also actually, we just got one more last second question. We can go back to it. Do I need From the bleep Kevin button again? <laughs> no, this one's not about okay. homophobe Anthony Bass. Kevin at Kevin Chase 4 asks, is Kirk better when he gets more playing time? Yeah, everybody is, right? It's hard to be a, to hit as a catcher for multiple reasons. And one of them is that you just can't play all the time because your body won't allow you to do it. Everybody hits better when they get to see pitches more regularly, and Kirk is no exception. He's hitting better lately. He's hitting for a little bit of hard contact, actually, the last few games, which is nice. But that's going to go away the second Danny <laughs> gets back. So hopefully just whatever gains he's made, he can keep. Well, I, I think the caveat here is he's he's better playing more often until he's much, much worse. Right? Well, because he's he's tired or he's developed a nagging injury or his body can't take the punishment, right? Right, yeah. So, but I think the idea of like if he's catching most of the games and then not playing the ones he's not catching, whereas last year he was catching and then DH in the games he wasn't catching. Yeah. So he's playing okay, every day. Enough. So, yeah, yeah, it's a difference. But my final uh, thought that was just a question I had to answer. Yeah, my final yeah, yeah thought, go ahead. Four went out for Jay Jackson. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> 
Uh, someone called it the Chad Jenkins Memorial Option, which I thought was pretty funny. <laughs> he comes in for Manoa's one-out start and throws two and two-third shutout with four strikeouts, and then he gets sent to the minors. It's unfortunate being the reliever with options because, well, sorry, the non-established member of the bullpen with options. But it is a sign that, you know, I've talked about that the one area the Jays have depth is the bullpen. If someone in the in the bullpen gets hurt, they can go to Jay Jackson. Or if he or someone else gets hurt, they can go to Hagen Danner. If someone else gets hurt, then maybe Zach Pop will be ready by then. And if someone else gets hurt, maybe Chad Green will be ready by then. They've got a bunch of depth in the minors in the bullpen. And then you got Yaz Rizulueta if it really goes crazy. So it's actually the one area where they're strong, and it's kind of nice to see for once. Yeah, um, it was like the embarrassment of catchers they had last year. Now it's now it's a bullpen thing. Um, so, uh, final thought. It has been an exhausting week to be a Blue Jays fan because the good things that were happening on the field were overshadowed by all of this BS. And I don't expect yeah. this conversation to go away. And I don't want it to go away. I think that anybody should feel welcome at the ballpark. And I think, you know lip service to pride while saying, well, I can believe that you people are awful and evil is, is ridiculous. So I think the conversation needs to continue. Um, but I would like to highlight that the Blue Jays are as good as or better than any other team in baseball over the past 11 games. So while all this has been going on, they've been playing really, really well, uh, which does give me hope for, for them eventually leapfrogging over the Yankees and getting themselves back into a wild card spot, which strangely is actually what this is supposed to be about. <laughs> Who knew? Yeah. And so I guess another thing you mentioned about that Astro series, about how important that was by winning yesterday's game, again, recording this on Friday, they won the season series with Houston. That's the only tiebreaker that exists. Well, sorry, <laughs> there are further tiebreakers if you tie, but they played seven games. You couldn't tie. But, you know, where the Jays are right now, they might need to beat out an AL West team for a postseason spot. If they finish somehow behind Baltimore and New York, that's what they'll have to do because no one from the Central is going to be involved. <laughs> the entire division's under 500. But they might have to beat Houston or Texas, whichever team doesn't win the division. So winning a season series is important. All right. So uh, you have been Joshua Housem at Joshua Housem. And I have been Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead 2010. And this has been episode number 271 of Artificial Turf Wars. And we'll talk at you next week.